Now then, now then, this is Hot Air with me, Mike Borman of the Ransom Low, and my guest, Mark Broadbent, the man behind the legendary wheel of its space for all those years. In my opinion, Mark's ability to meld together such a wide range of DJs under one roof like he did at We Love is pretty much unrivaled. And as per the Susie and the Banshees track in the background, which was the first ever single Mark bought when he was a kid, I think you can reasonably say that he went about things with some commendably punk ideals. And broadly speaking, he got away with them, despite being part of a massive super club. Uh, what he did at Space and Darren Hughes' backing of what he did at Space, I think it's fair to say, defined the second chapter of that whole club. Of course, he's not the only one to have put together eclectic DJ lineups. If we look at mass DJ culture at the moment, the emphasis has moved very much towards that. Uh, you know, those massive festivals and venues that are only open for their own season. But do these events really make sense musically? And are any of them really making the effort to break new artists anymore? Mark has plenty to say about this, and we also get quite an interesting insight into how he felt when it all went sour with space. We start off though by talking a bit about his native Huddersfield, and uh, watch out for the extra special bonus of the sound of a load of manic kids running around like loons right outside the calf we were sitting at in the Ibiza Old Town. Here we go. The town's fine enough, and and I like the people a lot. But uh, the the main problem is the weather. Like I suffer from seasonally adjusted depression, and uh, so you does know, my mother. I'd had it, you know, I'd like I, I got to 24 years old, and I really I'd had enough, and I had to leave. I had to leave Huddersfield. But you know, it's uh, the the people are great, and I sort of miss that. I miss not being in Yorkshire uh, because of the people. But that's all. You know, I don't. Uh, I don't miss the fucking weather. Huddersfield yeah, yeah. is grim, mate. Like we've been on the Pennines, it's um, you know, Manchester on one side, Leeds on the other, and Huddersfield is directly between them on the Pennines. We're kind of hill type people, you know, and it fucking rains all the time. It's miserable. It really is miserable. I think it's, it, it, it kind of breeds a certain person with a certain kind of sense of humour because of that. You know, you've got to be a bit like. Yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah. Cynicism is in our blood and that kind of wears, wears thin after a while. But, but as you say, it does make for some quite amusing conversations when people are off on one. It's the same where I'm from. Oh, yeah. That's, that's pretty much the only thing I miss from the northeast of England. Yeah, people. It's the crack. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't you know, miss their politics, but I miss yeah. the crack. I mean, I love it. I love, you know, I love seeing my friends from there, uh, like, like Jamie and Justin, Neil and that. They're, it, it, you know, when I, when I bump into them again, because they're, they're all like... Another thing is, I think, like, living in a place that's, like, rainy all the time, it, 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 you obviously spend a lot of time inside, and what do you do inside? You, like, kind of either watch television or listen to music, and uh, and it, I think per head of capita, it's got, like, more musos than any, any, other, any, other, any other city or town in England. You know, everybody that I know from Huddersfield is seriously into music, and they've all been, like, serious record collectors or, you know, seriously into going and seeing as many bands as possible and everybody's got an opinion on music in Huddersfield it's really is a musical city you know and that's an in I mean that's that's an interesting one and, and uh, I've got a 
My theory on this is actually that in quite similar to Manchester, which is that there's a history of, I mean, for want of a better phrase, working classes with money in their pocket to spend on entertainment. Certainly in Manchester, the, the first time anyone really explained to me why Manchester has such a history musically was Dave Haslam, who said, he said in his book, and, yeah. he, and he spoke to me in an interview book. about wonderful, it. Wonderful, wonderful book. Was that it had, in, that, in about 1920, it had the most cinemas per head like more, way more than anywhere else yeah. in the country which kind of showed that the habit of entertainment yeah. and Huddersfield being you know wool and textiles probably similar you had enough people within a concentrated area yeah. spending money which which got a bit no, of a well, scene going like, at one point they had, there was more Rolls Royces privately owned Rolls Royces in Huddersfield than any other any other town or city in the country wow yeah, and it was, as you say, because of the textile industry, which was massive at the time, and engineering as well. It just feels like, like they, they make the centrifuges and uh, for, for nuclear power plants and, you know, the, the, oh, like they make gearboxes for submarines and stuff. And, you know, uh, Thomas Broadbents was, uh, you know, instrumental in, um, well, yeah, gearboxes and stuff for, for submarines in the Second World War. What have you? So there's a, there's been a, there has been money there, um, and then and then there wasn't any money <laughs> there. Um, there's lots of like de depressing mills and stuff that, that just empty and not working and stuff. And it, I kind of there is only so much of that that you can take, and I had to leave. Um, but I, I think the first and foremost it's the weather. <laughs> <laughs> and and at the time when you were going out there in in the late 80s. Like what were the what were the seismic influences on you musically? Well, I mean, I started going out in like the early eighties because I'm actually quite old, um, and yeah, this we used to go to this place called Coach House, and that had been there's been a nightclub since the sort of sixties, um, and it was the only place that we could get into because like when we were when we were kids like fourteen, fifteen, the, the you know, there weren't that many places that would let you in, and this was like the coach house was like a, a punk club, punk and sort of skin club, really, I suppose. And uh, so that that was really my first influence uh, going out musically. Uh, but but you know, you get influences from all over. As I say, with the weather being bad, people stop in and listen to music. And my first kind of uh, person that turned me on to music was my babysitter, a guy called Simon Haig. And he used to come round and bring like, and this was like in the sort of late seventies, um, like mid to late seventies, and he would come round and bring like all the sort of uh, like punk stuff uh, f from the time, and that's and you know obviously when you when you when you're a kid you you sort of look up to these people, these early influences like like babysitters or older brothers. I, I was like a, I was an only child for a, for a long time. I was an only child up until being eighteen or something like that, and my mother remarried. And um, and with her husband had had a daughter and a son, so I'm half brother and half sister. So for the first sort of 18 years of my life, I was an only child. So I got my influences from from the outside, really. And yeah, the babysitter was my uh, was my probably the reason that I properly got into music. You know, he would come round, and I was it was so exciting that 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 sound at the time for a child. You know, it's like subversive, people, you know, swearing in the songs and stuff like that. It was just mm. really exciting. Yeah, it was you know? almost pornographic, I Yeah, suppose. yeah, absolutely. Very, very exciting. 
you know, you'd get these records and because I used to say, can I borrow it? Can I borrow it for the week? And like and playing these like stiff little fingers records and, you know, stuff like Buzzcocks, uh, Orgasm Addicts and stuff. And I'd, I'd, I'd like be playing it in secret and my mother would walk in and say, what did that say? What, what did this, Orgasm Addicts? And I was like 10, you know what I mean? <laughs> like bright red face going, oh, what's an orgasm mum and stuff like that. You know, I didn't actually know what a lot of the things were on about, but I knew that, I knew that it was like kind of risky. You know, and that and that's obviously what that, that's what you want, isn't it? As, as a child, you yeah, want to, you know you want to, you want something a bit risky, definitely. something something that something that uh, your parents question anyway. Yeah, definitely. So probably what the first thing that sprung to mind when I thought about interviewing you was programming of nights. You know, so so what what you did with We Love? I mean, there was a there was a heck of a lot of acts to book, um, and. I look at I look at the way a lot of DJing has gone in the UK where a lot of it it's a lot more about festivals than it ever was. Yeah. And it just it, it seems to be too eclectic. It seems to not make sense. Well as what you did with We Love seemed to make sense. When you see lineups now, you know, let's say across the UK. I mean, do you think there's the same attention paid to the actual programming of nights than what there was when no, you were doing it? No, I don't, because like most uh, most nightclubs are are, uh, are programmed by bookers rather than promoters, and there's a big difference there. Mm. You know, a booker like kind of looks at so looks at you know their job is to like get as many people in as possible rather than develop talent. Um, so they're, they're doing a different job. You know, you won't stand at you won't get to be a booker for very long if you're not successful at doing it whereas if you're a promoter it's your risk so you can do what the fuck you want um, but you know getting back to that thing about festivals is like I cut my teeth uh, programming events through booking uh, through being a festival promoter we used to do with dad and, and my wife Sarah uh, and our partners the mean fiddler we did homelands festival so I like started out by booking different arenas and that's you know that's kind of how the sort of uh, the wheel of thing came about really you know, we'd, uh, we, we started out with We Love and um, the kind of tail end of the prog house scene. And, and Sasha was actually our musical director at that time. You know, he was well, kind of a, a sort of a silent partner, but he was involved in it. So, you know, when we first started in 1999, uh, Sasha was quite instrumental in the development of the sound. And I, at that time, I was, uh, I was, in, uh, I was in Sydney. I was running a club called Home in Sydney and um, that I, I ended up leaving there after a couple of years and coming back and getting back involved with Darren and that's when we uh, that's when we changed the name from Home at Space to, to We Love and the and we really started to look in at looking at the program a bit more in depth um, you know kind of the whole prog house thing uh, was kind of you know we just found it dull we personally found it dull and we didn't want to do that um, and then the club started expanding and adding new rooms on. So it, it just seemed like the perfect opportunity to like, capitalise on the relationships that we were making, booking the festivals and take that into space. Because we got like six rooms at space and we were open for like 22 hours. So it was like, yeah, all right, let's do a festival in a, in a nightclub. And th but that's where it comes from, you know, yeah, that's, where the, that's, where, that's where my programming skills were cut and that's exactly what we did you know mm. so i would be looking at it as a whole day and night event and 
and I mean, in my mind, it looked like you were. It looked like there were certain artists that you just believed in and wanted to push. So James no. Abelius springs. Yeah, to no, mind. Well, that's absolutely Is that what a conscious do? effort. No, of course. I mean, that's what a promoter should be doing. You know, it's like I'd never booked an act that I didn't like myself. Um, I mean, I didn't book all of the rooms, like Darren booked the terrace and stuff, and there was certainly some acts on the terrace that I didn't like, but every other, every, every other room in that place I, I programmed, and I never programmed anybody that I didn't like myself, and it was about that, you know, it's like I'd listen to these music and think, right, this guy's fucking got it, but people aren't going to get it yet, but, you know, you just keep working that and, like, forcing it on folk and putting them at the right time, so, you know that if you if you put somebody back in back then anyway you know you i knew what time rooms were going to be busy and stuff like that so i would like kind of force certain acts on on busy rooms where people aren't going anywhere so they're going to be forced to listen to this music and you just kind of push that you know what i mean it's an and, interesting and, point and change people's attitude to it you know don't make it easy for them like music should be challenging a little that is an interesting point yeah you already had a busy room because by default space itself yeah. was just a destination yeah i mean i i if ever i went to ibiza back then sort of 2004 5 6 i'd go to space pretty much whoever was on i'd hope that tanaglia was on yeah. or someone like that but if they weren't if i was in ibiza for four days i'd definitely go that's interesting so nowadays do we have venues with the same gravitas where people could eat where programmers in your position could even get away with that well i don't know because i don't go out anymore i've stopped going to nightclubs in 2013 when i left when i left space um on my last my last gig on that september of 2013 i just decided that i wouldn't ever go into another nightclub in ibiza so i don't know what's going on there i mean obviously i go to my i i work with uh, i work with the the, the garden crew in uh, in tisno and stuff so i'm at barbarella's quite a lot during the summer so i see that and you know those guys that yeah i mean people like dave harvey definitely do that you know dave manages to like and he's a brilliant promoter actually is dave and he's he's got his favourites and stuff, and you can see it in the programming, in the lineups and stuff like that. And he, you know, he forces acts on people that he believes in, and in in doing so, he changes you know people's opinion on what they like musically. You know, there's quite, some quite interesting bits and pieces there that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be programmed. Like you know, back to back, um, Ben UFO and Craig Richards. Uh, at Barbarella's when you know the festival is generally kind of quite disco tinged and orientated and then they've got some proper serious stuff because Dave likes that and he wants people to experience this mm. rather than going the easy what the easy option and just putting like something quite obvious on there he's got some yeah so yeah there are people out there doing it I don't know who and 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 what I mean through my personal experience from what I see on a day-to-day -day summer basis Dave Harvey's good at it Mm -hmm. In fact, all of the guys that I work with at uh, Barbarella's, they're doing it for the love of the music rather than for making like loads of money or anything, because there ain't a lot of money to be made in Croatia, you know. Yeah, I, lo I love that venue. When I went there, it was, I was always pretend, it felt like what maybe somewhere like Ibiza would have been in 1986. Yeah. Like, just dancing in the open yeah, air. Yeah, yeah, well that's a winner, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it an is. It's an absolute it winner, is. you know. I mean, it keeps winning like best club in like so-and-so, so-and-so. And I'm looking at this thinking, what the fuck are they on about? You know what I mean? It's basically a wall around some trees. Yeah. 
it's not a nightclub at all <laughs> it's a, but it's just people love it because there isn't anywhere else that you can listen to a fantastic sound system in the open air till seven o'clock in the morning yeah. and see the stars and and then see the sun come up there isn't that many places that you can do that you know it's unrestricted sound it can be as loud as the dj wants or as loud as you know as, as it'll go really so it's, it's a cracky it's a cracking venue but like best nightclub in the world i don't think so <laughs> yeah um, so I mean, have you seen the fucking toilets yeah oh yeah <laughs> yes yeah so you know it's, it's it's ace that people are willing to forgive uh, the the creature comforts that you get from mm. fantastic nightclubs because they love the vibe there and yeah. that and that's that's down to the promoters that they're programming i suspect you know yeah, oh, yeah well it, it clearly is you so, know? so when you started with with darren at, at, at space did you have a clear idea to try and educate and try and do the opposite it kind of i can assume it might have felt a little bit like essex on tour for a little bit yeah like space towards yeah, yeah, that yeah. time yeah were you consciously reacting against yeah, absolutely that? no 100 percent. yeah yeah i had a, like an idea of what i wanted it to be like and the sort of people that i wanted to come and like program the music around that like and you know often to the detriment of uh like our cash flow but you know, it was like. <laughs> but did Darren always back you with? I mean, no, who, no, no. Darren, one hundred percent, man. Like Darren had one hundred percent belief in in me because he knew that how passionate I was about music. Yeah. And he knew, and he, Darren was, Darren also knew that anybody that's passionate, like, and they do, and they work hard enough and stuff, are successful, in the end. You know. So yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I started, yeah, I started working with Darren like when Darren was still at Cream. And myself and Sarah, uh, we ran the operation over here in Ibiza at Amnesia. So, and, and Darren's also my uh, brother-in-law. He's married to my wife's sister. So, you know, there's, there's a big family thing there. We, it was definitely a, we're all in this together kind of thing for, for many, many years. And, you know, we all had utmost, utmost trust in each other that we were doing it for the right reasons because it was family, mm, mm. you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look. but yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we obviously in in doing like doing booking like that, and you drop some bollocks and stuff. But uh, I can't, I can't think of any anything that was really, really terrible that I had my head head in my hands going, oh no, why did I do that? You know. Yeah, yeah. What we. Were you there after Van Helden got booed off at the terrace? Or yeah. Was that, was that was that in your era, or was that before? No, that was I was actually in Australia then. Right. Uh, that was that, that was ninety nine, and they also I mean the first time that Dallin started working at uh, Space, he had the Chemical Brothers. Uh, it was after when he was doing Cream, and they were doing they, they did some like uh, they did some live shows at Privilege, which was then called Coup. And they did the afters at Space. This is about like 94, 1994. And the first time the Chemical Brothers came over, 1994, they also got booed off uh, off the terrace. And oh, uh, like wow. the, the owner, actually, Pepe, actually came and asked them to leave <laughs> uh, because uh, they were because they were playing like they were playing like you know what what you'd want to hear first thing in the morning. Like if you know. If, you, if you'd never been to space before and you had no idea, you'd only been to Manchester and you're thinking, right, okay, what will people want to listen to at, at like seven o'clock in the morning? They want to listen to some nice chilled, like uh, 
ambienty stuff or maybe some like you know whatever uh, anyway they, they didn't think in a million years that people would want to listen to driving funky house <laughs> and um, and, uh, and and they were basically like booed off and, and Pepe had to come and ask them to leave and I think Jonathan Ulysses came on to great applause and played uh, like something obviously like hands in the air and cheesy which is what space was you know, when when we first when we first got there, uh, it was it was incredibly cheesy. I mean, the, the the music on the tennis used to make my fucking toes curl. It was that bad. <laughs> but I nevertheless quite. I mean, I only started going from 2003 onwards. But I did quite like the idea, though. Even though the music might well have been cheesy on the terrace, that Brandon Block and Alex P were pissing about. You yeah. know. Like, I mean, there is something to, it's better, I'd prefer people pissing about and having fun than being too earnest, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 and yeah, being yeah, too yeah, remote. Yeah, yeah. The balance is in the middle, Yeah, no, obviously. Totally, yeah, 100%, 100%. Uh, yeah, as I say, the, the music on the terrace up until like 2006, when I really started getting my, like, uh, stuck into the sort of programming on there was not for me, really. I was like, I always like, I was always in the inside. Uh, sort of developing that and uh, making that my own, you know, with diff with different kinds of bits and pieces. Do you feel a little bit relieved that you're no longer presiding over something that's such that was such a machine that had such a reputation? In well, the no, totally. I mean, I you know, I, I left because I didn't like it anymore. You know, I was doing my editing. Um, and I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And the kind of like the people on the island had changed massively. So the, I was like, you know, trying to program music to people and they really didn't like it. You know, it was like the, the, the you know, house music, the whole house scene had become so high street that, you know, you try and do anything kind of a little edgy or, and try and get 8,000 people in. You know, it's very difficult to get 8,000 people into something that's a bit interesting or edgy or that mm. they've not heard before. Mm. Um, on, on IB for now, you know, I mean, the prices went up, so all the interesting people stopped coming to IB for they started going elsewhere. Mm. You know, it's like I now go, I see all the people that I used to see at my club it's at Space uh, in, in Croatia now. Yeah. You know, that's where everybody is, that's where the people that want to listen to interesting music go now, but don't come here. Yeah, so yeah, in a sense. So it, yeah, so I was fucking massively relieved, it, mate, yeah. to stop doing it. Yeah. I really, the last couple of years, I didn't enjoy myself at all, you know. It was just really, really hard work, and I felt like I was having to compromise, or, or I should have. I'd be, I never did, but I felt that I should have compromised what I was doing to, like, uh, you know, be more populist. Mm. And, and, and I think, I don't think it's such a bad thing for the island that, that the, the very, very big venues uh, are less about education than they were when you were involved because I think it opens the way for smaller venues and, and, and more yeah. interesting concepts. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, my wife uh, does all the kind of bookings and uh, all the events at, uh, at Pikes. Uh, and my, me and my brother do a, do a, do a weekly show there yeah. on, on the Sundays. And, it, you know, it's great. Yeah, it's really brave programming and really interesting free parties and you know I can't I can't say enough about how fantastic it is there and you know Andy and Dawn have given them given us the sort of freedom to really do what do what we want there you know and and Sarah as well they've got utmost trust in her and she's got all sorts of interesting stuff she's got like residences with Ronnie Scott's and uh, you know jazz nights dinner kind of for want of a better word dinner dance 
uh, things with like some very, very, very kind of out there avant-garde jazz musicians and stuff, which is fucking brilliant to see that sort of stuff. Obviously, now we're getting older. Yeah. It's, that's what I want to do now, you know. I'll go and see Harvey, he's like eight-week residency of DJ Harvey, you know, and he plays all night. He puts the first record on and he puts the last record on. Yeah. And that sort of thing. And Ogunfall's Falls Night did really Ogunfall's well. Falls Night was which, brilliant. Which was old school. It was absolutely brilliant because I didn't know what that was going to be like and it actually turned out to be brilliant. He really stuck to his guns and he played through the spectrum, like from the dawn of dance music uh, till and, and kind of stayed away from the sort of stuff that you might expect of him. You know, it was really good. It was a very brave move of Paul that and, you know, it was really nice to see it work well. And then, you know, she got like, she, had, she started with uh, Leon Vinyl uh, last year as well, and that was amazing. And it was like, so it's very, very exciting to see that you can do some quite brave bookings and uh, uh, interesting, interesting things, and it still works. And you it's know? easier to do when you don't have 8,000 people. Well, it's easier to <laughs> do when it's a free party and you don't have 8,000 yeah. people, for sure. You can yeah. do something interesting. I mean, like Arthur, you know, I mean, I'll, I know, you know, and everybody's doing well with it because of it as well you know I mean you look at artwork obviously he's got his fingers in all sorts of different pies but I'm looking at what's happened you know I think that residency is like this year it'll be like the fourth year of his Saturday residency up at Pikes and you know I look at the sort of the, the trajectory of what's happening happening there with him and it's fantastic you know it's like it's opened him up to a different crowd I think you know and he's a, he's a great guy you know he's such fun uh, lovely man is Arthur and you know, it's like I think that you, his personality is allowed to shine through, and it be more than just about you know some guy, faceless guy stood behind the decks playing playing music, but and that you're never going to get to meet or anything. He's he's one of the people. He's Arthur, yeah. You know, which is he's ace, and and I think that Pikes allows that, allows the DJs to be that. It allows them to get back to the crowd, rather than putting them on a pedestal and making them untouchable. Mm. Or unreachable, if you like. It's uh, it just, yeah. It's it's a, it's good. It's a good good place. Yeah, I mean, I I noticed that, that you know people people of of my age even. I'm a, I'm only mid thirties, but most of them now when they come to Ibiza, the place they really want to go to is Pikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we're, like we're not like, we're not so bothered about the bigger venues. No. It's, well, you don't want to be paying all that money to get in either, do you, anymore? I mean, it's like you didn't really didn't mind it b before, but now you've got mortgages and stuff, and maybe kids and stuff. You're a bit worried about paying 60 quid to go watch some knob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now, did it... Did, now, in back in the, back in the, the glory days of, of, of space, is it true that Kiss were once booked and played air guitar on the on the stage in the main room someone told me that this happens they swear that they were there and it happened i don't know i mean i don't know anything about that it sounds like something that andy mckay might do like manumission carry on or something like that but it also sounds to me like uh, a like a great rumor that andy <laughs> mckay might have might have might have put out there and it was actually just some of his mates dressed up as kiss like uh, you know i don't know though you know it, it certainly wasn't on a sunday I, su I suppose Grace Jones was true. That yeah, yeah, well, happened. I did that. That was my booking. What? Yeah, well, what, how that came about was like, um, it was, a, so I think it was like the 20th year of Wall of Sound Records, or I think it was 20 years or 15 years of Wall of Sound. And, and Mark Jones had like, uh, he'd got Grace from out of like kind of recording retirement, if you like, and they'd done a new album. And I've been a fan of Grace Jones since I was eight years old. 
you know, I just and Sly and Robbie, and I just thought it's fucking amazing music, and I really, really loved it. That was my kind of one nod to disco music was uh, was Grace Jones really uh, when I was growing up. She was exceptional. And when Mark Jones released this uh, that Hurricane album, I was like, fucking hell, Grace Jones is back. And it was, you know, I'm friends with Mark. I rang him up and said, like, you know, what's going on? What, what's, what's Grace up to? How is she? What's she like? You know, is she all right? And he's like, Mark, she's absolutely fucking class. You know, I've just come back from Jamaica with her now. And, you know, she's on, she really wants to, like, do something to support the second. I was like, well, you know, she, why don't we do something at Space? And he's like, fucking right. Um, so we made it happen, me and Mark. And, uh, and a load of money, obviously. Um, yeah, and, she and kind of insisted. Yeah, 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 Surely so this right. was a vanity. This kind of made a profit. It must have just no, been a no, vanity. No, no. Listen, loads of things that, that I've done have not made any money. <laughs> you know, they've like lost, lost money. Even when you know you see the place full, you know that place could be full five, six thousand, seven thousand people. I'm still losing money. Yeah. Uh, because I just spent ridiculous amounts of money. But you know, we'd got like. 18 parties over the summer so it's worth doing yeah you know two parties out of there or four parties out of it lose some money on them and make it up on the rest you know so in that year we'd have lost money on that gig definitely lost money on grace jones definitely lost money every time the chemicals brothers have paid for me i've lost at least 30 grand um <laughs> even with a full house you know ten thousand people in paying 60 quid i've lost money i'm amused that the, 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 you kept booking them after they were asked to leave the first time well though. you know that was nothing to do with them but that to be perfectly honest with you i'd book Armand van elden every time because he got asked to leave <laughs> yeah you know that's exactly the sort of thing that I want. You know, it's like you need to, you need to polarize opinion, mate. You know, you don't want to be just like yeah, Armand, one thing. Armand's good at that. What, yes, what a character! Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And he's fucking fuck. brilliant as well. You know, it's, and it was, you know, basically it was a bit racist. <coughs> the reason that uh, uh, it was a bit of kind of racism. The reason that he got kicked off for playing like an R and B tune and. Uh, at the time when R&B was like very, very un untrendy in, in Europe and uh, he came and played, you know, something that like meant a lot to him, coming, being a Hispanic man coming from America and he was booed off for playing this and it was purely because of, you know, well I thought it was quite a, a racist statement. That's interesting, that's interesting. So. So who who were the, so there was so Grace Jones was that like was that like probably is that your proudest sort of moment there that you pulled that one off? No, I like doing that, but like my, 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 you know they're always the best things. Uh, you, I mean it's all that's going to be good, isn't it? Grace Jones has got <laughs> a, it's going to she's got a history in Ibiza. Uh, she's, <coughs> she's she's you know platinum selling artist. It's going to be good. The the best things are when you put somebody like Ivan Schmag on it and he fucking tears it tears the arse out of it four and a half thousand people inside with the strangest music you've ever heard mm. those are the best times yeah the fact that you, you know. feel like you've got away with that kind of creativity to a mass audience yeah I yeah can imagine those are the best and those, immensely i'd be just stood behind people like ivan and you and pearson and that, those kind of guys that i like really got behind and stuff and i just have massive grin on my face like just watching him just and black strobe and stuff you know this, i can't remember it's like black strobe ivan's ivan's side project to a guy called Arnu. Yeah. And yeah, Arnu dressed as a Nazi stood <laughs> like Zeke Hyling on the podium. And it's just like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? 
There's what nothing the like a Nazi salute from no, up on it's high. Like, what the fuck is going on here? It's like stomping around in these Herman Munster boots and like, <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? And the place was erupting. It was going bananas to this like insane gothic, like gothic <laughs> techno. I was just, and I was just like, yeah, this is all right, you know what I mean? That, those are, that, that, that's much better than like watching the Chemical Brothers tear the arse out of it, because you know that they're going to yeah, tear the yeah. arse out of it. You know you're going to have a full house. You also know you're going to lose a load of money. Yeah. So it's better to like book somebody for 750 quid and watch them fucking melt mm. people's faces. Yeah. And yet, around... Through all, all that time, you didn't DJ? I'd have just assumed no. you'd have wanted to because no, you had no, such a love no, for the music. No, it filled me. Well, because I have a love for the music, it always the, the thought that somebody might come up to me and say, mate, this is awful, just totally, totally put me off it. I never, ever wanted to do it. Uh, I, I felt like uh, incredibly self-conscious about my own personal taste in music. It wasn't something I wanted to share with other people. That's, I mean, that... That's such a, that's such an, it's so surprising. But I mean, I understand what your logic is. It's just surprising because, you, because, you know, you, you, you know, we've just discussed that you wanted to ed educate with music. Yeah, I suppose but, there's but, a bit but of cowardice in But one in removed. That. Well, there's a bit of cowardice in that then, isn't there? You yeah. know, and it's um, or a bit of like a lack of self-confidence or, or something. Because it's strange that I have actually taken to it like a duck to water and absolutely love it. And I'm now kicking myself thinking, why wasn't I a superstar DJ when I could have been? Yeah. I mean, I could have paid myself an awful lot of money. Yes. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> I could have been much more wealthy than I am now had I, uh, had I decided to become a DJ when I should have done. Although then again, though, then again... Would you, you probably, I can't picture you just mixing 4 by 4 house. No, I don't do that. Yeah, so maybe you wouldn't have been a superstar. No, no I would have been very unpopular. I would have been very unpopular. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although then again though, because of your status as, of running the place, you yeah, would have probably I'd have programmed had a myself following. Well, I'd have programmed myself properly as well, wouldn't I? Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I used to work with a guy called Bones, Chris Bones. And he was always on my case, like, come and DJ with me, come and DJ with me. And I used to book him for a place called El Salon, which is like a backroom place in, in, the, in the venue. Yeah, how, lo how long was that in space for? Because I'd been going from for five like, years and hadn't noticed it. Yeah, probably it, probably it was there from about 2005, 2006, I think. Yeah, so I only saw it in about 2009. Yeah. I just didn't know it was there. Yeah. And I discovered and that, it that one had, day. That actually became our sort of hangout. You know, yeah. That's where we used Joyous to hang out. Room. It was great. It. And I used to book Chris in there and he's like, and I'd get him to play like seven inches because Chris is like, he came up through that sort of... Um, What's it called? That something clash, um, the fucking Fisher Spoon and all that firm. What, like Electro uh, Clash? Yeah, Electro Clash. Yeah, he comes from that scene and he's like, if you, he's a bit of a rock and rollist, Chris. So I was like, no, I don't want you to play like uh, house music or techno. I want you to play Seven Inches. I want you to do, you know, some a proper backroom set. Like the Chemical Brothers started out, or Basement Jacks or whatever. Do that, you know, mix it up. And I want you to just play Seven Inches. I don't want you to play Twelves or anything because that kind of putting parameters on people like that dictates what it's going to be yeah, like yeah, to a yeah. certain extent it's like yeah i'll do that and i'll do that it's like but you've got to do it with me and it's like i can't i'm fucking busy i'm busy it's like i can't concentrate on and i just refused to do it and it was simply because i was scared of people like hating me i suppose um and so what made you get over it because uh, now you play a lot yeah 
Well, yeah, that's funny, really, because again, again, Andy McKay was came into my life. I used to take all the DJs to Pikes um, on Sunday uh, for for Sunday lunch before they played at the venue, before they came to Wheel of to Space, and we used to sit up there, and I'd be sat up there listening to this god awful music, like played far too loud, just inappropriate music to be sitting having Sunday lunch to, like fucking cheesy funky house or like just banging music or mm. awful awful balearic re-edits of r&b top <laughs> 10 tracks and i was like and every week i'd say to andy andy this is awful this is awful like can you ask him to turn it down and i'd go i'd actually go up to a dj and say can you please turn it down it's like i'm eating my dinner here i'm trying to have a conversation it's fucking inappropriate and, and andy mckay just got fed up with me going on about it. it's like mark you fucking do it <laughs> so it's like if you know, basically, you know, he, he, he called me out. You know, he basically. And then called you had me no excuse. I had no excuse. You, you, yeah, I was like, because like, you right. had time. You weren't. Yeah, yeah, it. no, absolutely. I'd got time. I'd got time. I couldn't, and I couldn't not. I couldn't say no. You know, he totally called me out. And um, you know, the first when I first left, when I first left Wheel of the, the summer after, I started doing some events at uh, called the Psychedelic Skies at a venue called BHS. A boutique hostel Salinas for some friends of mine, Dave and Doozy and Anita. And I started doing those with my brother. And there was nobody there and stuff. And we just got to, we just played like all all the sort of music that you know nobody ever plays in IB for like all sorts of weird stuff, Pink Floyd, Hawkwind, all sorts of you know, psychedelic music essentially. Um and we'd play for like ten hours there and just get drunk and like smoke spliffs and get really drunk and have a good time and, and stuff and I really really enjoyed it and I got confidence without you know by playing to a few people and stuff and I just realized that I actually enjoyed playing music and then when Andy said that I was like well yeah I can do it you know what I mean and uh and I said well I can certainly do it better than these other fuckers you know yeah <laughs> you know I definitely got something more to say than this I, I think it is a bug it is a bugbear of mine that a lot of DJs don't really look at their environment. So if you're outside at Pikes, then, you know, be eclectic. You don't have yeah. to be pushing the No, you're not having to do anything. You don't have or... to make, you're not having to make anybody dance or anything. All yeah. you, you've just got to sound. You're providing a sound. Yeah, exactly, which is a wonderful it, position to be it, in. You it, know, it, if you're into music, it's nothing better than standing there for 12 hours, like playing playing the music you want to hear for 12 hours yeah and but it doesn't all have to be chill out either no, you no. know you got some people who are stuck in the sort of the cafe del mar no, 1995 yeah, you know that the, if no, it's I the play sunset Neu, it's I play got to be chill out i play noy yeah. and can and you yeah. know nitzareb and all sorts of weird stuff yeah you know, exactly all... like, like psychedelic stuff bits of post-punk yeah. and yeah some ambient melodic stuff if you want Mild, i don't know whether you want yeah of course but, Mild, but, miles davis fruited yeah. Art, art and noise you know it all it all gets covered yeah and you know i think people have rather short memories or they don't know their music history that you know the soundtrack of ibiza if there ever was one if you go if you go back to the 70s and the 80s in the early 90s was yeah it was pretty much everything yeah no absolutely <laughs> well d d psychedelic rock <coughs> rock music really mm. and then and reggae and you know so so that's what we do anyway we we like to think of ourselves as as holding the torch of true balearic music mm. you know um, and and the kind of my my booking policy or the people that we ask to get involved with us like reflects that as well i i get people to come and play music that they listen to at home 
you know, and that's that's the criteria. It's like I get people like you know Harry Midland and stuff. He comes around and plays because he's got such a massively broad spectrum of musical. Yeah, what a chap! Yeah, and you know everybody that I've come like asked to come like they, they really really enjoy doing it. Like Nancy Noyes and Leo Mass and Alfredo, the original Balearic trio. Mm. Uh, they come round and they and they, they just find it think it's wonderful and then your new your new folk you know like Coyote and Craig Christian who are who are carrying that torch you know that kind of true belay and they all know their history yeah they're, well they're diggers aren't they yeah. so they come out and they just absolutely nail it and it's wonderful it's really really nice. Um, you know, it's kind of it surpassed my wildest expectations. Really. Yeah, and, and, and who who needs space really? You know, because now you have the license to do this, mm. and, and you don't have to worry that you don't have to worry about attracting thousands and thousands of people. No, the pressure's off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, but but are you planning on any other uh, any other you know bigger ventures? Well, you know, I'm partners with uh, with the garden people, so I do like. I do. I'm, I'm involved in seven music festivals uh, over the summer months. Um, you know, so there's, there's that, and we've, you know, last last year we opened a brewery um, in, in Zagreb. So you know, there, there's, I've got. I'm, I'm doing. I sort of had an idea that I might go into semi-retirement when I left space, and I actually got about five jobs now. Because so people had, knew you were available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had like I had about a year off, and then I've just like I've you know I've never been as busy because I run a guest house as well in the old town. So it's kind of like I've got all sorts going on, but they're all sorts of like little things that that are kind of like you know dipping my toe in and and getting a bit more involved in this one year and then a bit more involved in that the year after, and I can kind of divide my, my time around it in a, in a way that's pleasurable to me, so I'm not getting bored or anything. Uh, all of the all of the ventures are, are, are manageable and enjoyable, you know. And getting to work with people that I really like, rather than getting to work with people that I have to work with. Yes. You know that's. Uh, I, I mean, you'd have had twenty years of that, perhaps well, more. Well, you know, you start out and you you know you're, you're a bit green behind the ears, and you don't know that the people that you're working with are a set of cunts. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, you know, you start to, you you realise after a while that these people aren't your friends. That, at all they're just like the business associates and they're probably not as nice as you are and what exacerbates it is is the status the cocaine and the alcohol as well like i think that makes people into bigger cunts than they would have been otherwise yeah and there's there's no shortage of that in, in a big uh, club land empire yeah yeah it's 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 a fun, yeah it's a funny thing isn't it I mean, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of like uh, the, the, that side of it as well. To be fair, but you know, you have, you have, you have to stop, or you have, you have to like rein it in a bit to be a normal person. But you must have met, you know, most of your best friends through music, and most, and probably most of your biggest enemies as well. It, it's just sort of the partying just polarizes it all. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I mean. You know, my best friends are not involved in the scene or oh, like right. directly. Um, you know, still my—I mean, they are bits and pieces, but not in the scene that I'm involved in. You know, they're involved in music and stuff like that, but they're not involved in the sort of super club uh, scene. You know, the, 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 yeah, it's a, again, it's a funny one. You, you think a lot of the people that you come across, you, they, you know, they, they're actually just associates. They're not really—they're not really your true friends. Yeah. But, and I guess as well, it's like, no one's wearing a suit, no one's in an office, so, well, rarely. So, 
it's always business is done in a social environment, which can get yeah. quite confusing. It feels more friend. It can feel yeah, yeah. more friendly at first. Yeah. And then it's more disappointing when these people let you down than if it was just an everyday job. Yeah. I don't think it would feel as bad. No, absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's not a job, really. Like when you, if you're doing it properly, it's not a job. It's like it's like a, it's a vocational thing. It's like being a fucking young doctor or something like that. You're at it all the time. It's twenty-four-seven. Yeah. Like when we were. Like when 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 space when we were our parties at space were like really firing on all four cylinders, I didn't think about anything else ever. In in my <laughs> way, in my working hours, I was just it was I was just on. You know, it's, that's all I thought about like twenty four seven, three hundred and sixty five days a year. And of course, your other half is working with yeah, you. Yeah, 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 totally. What, so we what did an incredible thing. Yeah, so we didn't do like for for ten years, we didn't do anything else <laughs> other than other than that it was all about that really you know so it's kind of yeah it gets a bit full on yeah strange i was happy to i, I was happy for it to end yeah i mean and, and me just as a punter when i saw that you were going and then a couple of years later when i saw that space resort was no more i thought yeah you know good it's had its run it's had its innings <laughs> yeah just you know no, i was glad when changed, it changed changed the fair, guard good I, yeah, for them it but was you know it was always kind of strange because i live in ibiza town so every year from leaving you know i left in 2013 and for the next couple of years after that when i saw you know i'd get to i'd see the first posters going up for space and it always there was always a bit of like a it was strange you know a bittersweet feeling yeah but i wasn't one that i wasn't involved but mostly that it was still going and i wasn't involved <laughs> you know it's like it was it was kind of weird a very very weird feeling i had it's like so it's when it's space actually closed i was very happy <laughs> yeah <laughs> strangely enough i don't See, know why i should be bothered by it to be fair but uh but i was and it's it like did your ex me. wouldn't be shacked up anymore yeah, something like, like, <laughs> yeah maybe something like that Some, the, maybe something I mean, there's like gotta be that, like yeah. a subconscious ego yeah, no, in there just, as yeah well. no absolutely mate I, you know it's, it's difficult to put a finger on like my feelings on the whole thing but it was weird uh, it was it was different than i it was a, it, i had different feelings than i expected when i left space you know i thought i'd just walk away from it and it not and not be bothered about it at all mm. but i did continue to be bothered about what was happening there and the people that had taken over the job that i had there and blah blah so blah so were, were you deconstructing the lineups and thinking oh for yeah, god's no, absolutely. sake no 100 not but not particularly about the nights just just the overall thing you know i'd be looking at the posters thinking they're shit like why are they doing this they're like fucking you know spoiling everything that we've done before it's an actually it was like ridiculous really but it took me quite a long time to kind of get that out of my uh, out of my system you know probably you know only a couple of years ago it was like i was happy enough to not think about it and was that because you were I, I, was that because you were um, expressing your creativity elsewhere maybe that that you had the that you were in with pikes and you were doing what you were doing or well it could think... be but i don't know i think it's just probably more time to be fair cause yeah it's uh yeah i think it's probably just more time um yeah i don't know i don't know it's, it's difficult to to analyze your own feelings isn't it and come come up with any conclusive uh reasoning yeah i mean i guess it is but you know interviews being interviews you could just make some salient soundbite up on the spot <laughs> most people do 
No, I'd like to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And indeed he is an honest fella. Tells it how it is without being a dick about it, which is nice to see because sometimes it's the ex-promoters who are the absolute worst. They'll give it the big I am about what they used to do, but once it all goes tits up, unlike the DJs they used to book, they probably don't have the mansion and the fast car to fall back on because they only became an ex-promoter in the first place because they lost so much money. And then the public bitterness kicks in. I'm sure it isn't just my Facebook feed that's full of that. But that's not Mark. While he's not shy in having a pop at the way DJ booking has gone, he's not losing any sleep over it. These days he's perfectly happy larking about at Pikes, playing what the hell he wants, and keeping his hand in as a booker with the good people at Love International in Croatia. But what a great innings he had with We Love. I really, really enjoyed reminiscing about it. It certainly helped define Ibiza for a lot of people my age. So that's it for now. I'll see you for some more hot air in a few weeks.